Hey folks, it's great to have you along on this latest episode of the Raised by Whoops fake radio show. This is Glenn. Uh, not sure what episode number this is. It's got to be getting close to 25 or thereabouts, but obviously I haven't kept track. Thanks for sticking with us so far, assuming you have. Before I get to the subject of this week's story, I want to follow up on something Andrew mentioned a couple episodes back. Uh, He spoke about the fact that he and I are both unassuming, self-deprecating types, and that normally at least one part of a creative duo, if you can call us that, is confident and self-assured. He's absolutely right. Creative partners do usually have contrasting personalities that play off each other in a yin and yang fashion. This ideally adds another dimension to the act that a singular type of personality rarely achieves. Now, I'm not suggesting that we are the exact same person, but there are enough similarities to make it sound homogenous at times. So, when I heard Andrew bring that up, and to be honest, I hadn't even thought about it, I decided that I'd do what I could to shift from humble, aw shucks guy to spilling over with confidence guy for the betterment of the show. And how does one go about this, you may ask? Well, One of my theories has always been that if you look good, you feel good, and are therefore more confident. So I clicked my way on over to the Brooks Brothers website and had a look around. One seersucker suit later, and I was off to a good start. I then went to the barber and asked for a high and tight. I didn't know what that meant before having it done, but my internet research informed me that it was an in-vogue, sporty look for an aspiring, confident person. As far as I'm concerned... He delivered the perfect cut. A shower, a shave, an anal bleaching, and a bit of black orchid by Tom Ford completed the transformation, and I was ready for the confidence to wash over me. I waited patiently for a while, suspecting that it could take a bit for my new and improved cocksure attitude to materialize, but nothing happened. I still felt like a failure who was taking up space that other, more confident people could use. Granted, I was a fresh-looking and good-smelling failure, but still a failure. I waited some more, and nothing. I was still a piece of shit as far as I was concerned. I didn't know what else to do, and to be honest, as I'm recounting this to you, I still don't. Where does confidence come from? Is one born with it? Do you have to work for it? That sounds hard. It has always eluded me. Which brings me to this introduction carrying the same lack of confidence as always. Along with not being self-assured, I'm also not an ideas guy, so changing my physical appearance was the only solution I came up with. If any of you out there have any other ideas to improve my confidence, please write in and let me know. It's for the good of the show. Alright then, uh, this week's episode is entitled Three Brothers. It's a story arranged in vignette form about my father and two of his brothers. I hope you enjoy it. As always, you can find out more about us and also listen to these episodes over at RaisedByWhoops.com. And if you could kindly leave us a review or subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever else this show pops up, that would be appreciated. So far, I think I'm the only one who has reviewed the show on Spotify. That was a secret until now. I had to give the impression that at least one lonely soul hit those five stars for us. Well, now you know that lonely soul is me. I'm not complaining, just asking if you'd consider doing the same. I've been told it helps with the visibility of the show. Alright, take care everyone, and we'll talk soon.
three brothers, the youngest. I never met the youngest brother, but I think I would have liked him. Based on what little information I have, we seem to share some things in common. He liked to drink more than he could handle and hang around the border between funny and insulting. He never punched down, though. He knew the score. Sometimes his jokes would be perceived as clever by those around him, and his charisma would shine through his inebriated state. Yet other times, his slurred attempts at humor would cut a little too close to the bone, and he'd find himself in hot water. I've also been told a few other tidbits, but the details are scarce and at times far-fetched. Like the time he and my father bought a car for $50 and deliberately rolled it into a ditch solely for the adrenaline rush. Or the legendary tales involving his disregard for personal hygiene. Instead of changing his clothes, he'd simply layer a new set on top of the old. He'd go from the haymow directly to a dinner date, dress shirt and pants over top of straw-covered overalls. I still haven't figured that one out. Was it just laziness? He was a wild man with unkempt hair, a wry smile, and a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. That's the enduring image I have, the only photo of him I ever saw. I wish I knew more than just a few less than flattering stories. I'm sure he was much more than a fleeting anecdote or two. We all are. He is a mythic figure in my mind who was tragically prevented from writing his own ending. All I have is my interpretation based on a faded outline, which is unfair to his memory. He was my father's best friend, but he didn't like to talk about him. Even when I asked, it would only be a sentence or two. Maybe it hurt too much. But the more you're kept in the dark, the more you want to know. One day, after more prodding on my part, my mother showed me a yellowed newspaper cutting. It was a winter evening only two weeks before I was born. The setting was a dilapidated drinking hole in a forgotten town. One of his jokes didn't land as intended. Or maybe it did. He was kicked in the head multiple times by an irate farm boy in cowboy boots and later died of his injuries. He was 33, a bittersweet pill for my father to swallow, a new child and a dead brother. I have met the oldest brother, and I hope to see him again. There's a picture of us sitting on a stone wall somewhere in southern Alberta. It's 1986. I'm four, and he's in his 40s. We are both flexing our biceps, or lack thereof, and posing for a mystery photographer. Our family was there on summer vacation. My mom and dad, myself, and my two siblings. My dad wanted to visit his brother, and the rest of us had never seen the mountains. My uncle showed us around his adopted home province. We saw the dinosaurs in Drumheller, 
the grain elevators that dot Alberta's vast farmland, and the natural gas fields of Medicine Hat that Rudyard Kipling famously referred to as all hell for a basement. He even gave me the rattle off a prairie rattlesnake as a souvenir. I still have it. He first traveled west when he was 17. He left Ontario on his motorcycle without telling anyone and ended up working as a hired hand on a farm in Saskatchewan. He was employed there for seven years before he finally called home to tell his parents where he was. They thought he was dead. He came back east briefly before leaving again to settle permanently in Alberta. I saw him again when I was 19. This time, I was the lost soul who found myself in the prairie provinces. I thought I'd drop in and say hello to a kindred spirit. I found him and my aunt on a gravel road that was too remote to be mapped. I drove out to the general vicinity and asked the proprietor of a gas station if he knew my uncle. To my surprise, he did, and gave me directions. He was still a hired hand. We drank coffee, ate Dutch almond cookies, and watched The National on the CBC every night I was there. He told a lot of stories in a slow, deliberate manner, and then he drove me around his employer's farm in a beat-up pickup truck. It was a slice of another time, and I quite enjoyed it. He's still out there on that unmarked piece of land, away from the insanity of the modern world. I salute his commitment to solitude. brother was my dad. He had the same independent streak and attraction to solitude possessed by his older brother while displaying the same inclination toward daring and reckless behavior as his younger brother, but he also had something that set him apart from his siblings, a strong conscience and a tendency toward traditional family values, perhaps driven by a fear of shame and or a self-inflicted pressure to try and do right by his parents. If it were up to my dad, he would have wandered aimlessly his whole life, seeing as much of the world as possible, but that would have racked him with guilt. Instead, he found a middle ground between these contrasting life trajectories. He chose marriage and fatherhood, while also carving out as much time as possible for travel. He did, however, take a few detours on the way to accepting this compromise. He, like his brother before him, traveled west as a young man, searching for something more than a formulaic existence. His car broke down in Winnipeg, so he hitchhiked the rest of the way to the Pacific Ocean. I asked him why he didn't stay in British Columbia and make a life there, and he glibly responded that after staring at the ocean for a couple of hours, he had had his fill and was ready to come home. I suspect it was more complicated than that, but Dad held his cards close to his vest, especially in conversation with me. Maybe he thought I couldn't handle the truth, or maybe he was embarrassed of his reason for returning home. Upon arriving back in Ontario after his dalliance with the West Coast, he met my mum. 
even after marriage and his first child, he was still looking for an escape hatch and dreaming of greener grass. When my sister was only a few months old, my folks, led by my father, decided to try their luck at a new life in Saskatchewan. He had a lifelong obsession with Canada's breadbasket that none of us ever quite understood. Was it the wide-open spaces and sparse population of the province that attracted him? He was a solitary figure, so that would make sense. Whatever the reason, he talked of his love for the place abstractly and often. They only stayed in the prairies for three months, citing a lack of job opportunities, before it was back to Ontario, where two more anchors were thrown down in the form of my brother and eventually me. This would cement my father's legacy as a family man and cut off at the knees his freedom to wander whenever he pleased. Taking the place of his nomadic tendencies were pre-planned vacations to kid-friendly destinations, and if he was lucky, he'd fit in something he enjoyed too, such as a museum or a bookstore. A man caught between two competing paths, never able to fully embrace either one. I think about the three brothers a lot, my two uncles and my father. The sense of kinship is obvious to me, and I wish I could have forged a deeper relationship with all three. The problem is that deep, transparent relationships seem to be a foreign concept in our lineage. From my perspective, they all seemed to be enveloped by a melancholy that prevented them from expressing themselves fully. This melancholy manifested in different ways for each of them. For the oldest, there was an urge to run from humanity and build a quiet life away from the noise. For the youngest, he attempted to deaden the sadness through drink and a wild lifestyle. For my father, he accepted his melancholic state stoically and tried to do what was expected of him, reluctantly, of course. I feel that I've gleaned something from each of them. A desire to be alone and removed from societal expectations from the oldest, an urge to escape my thoughts through drink and other mind-altering substances from the youngest, and from my dad, an inner voice that advises me to keep my shit together and be a responsible adult. I haven't leaned into any one of these influences exclusively. Instead, I've mixed all three together into a strange and confusing brew. I've become a solitary nomad an occasional substance abuser who manages to pay the bills and feed myself most days. Eccentric? Sure. Lacking ambition? At times. Immature? Definitely. Would I change anything? Probably, but that's the conundrum we all find ourselves in. This isn't some fairy tale we author with a perfect narrative arc. It's a struggle with intermittent highs and lows and a whole lot of mundaneness in between. If all this sounds a bit cynical or lacking in optimism, it does to me too. But my perspective is a work in progress and can change in short order. How I feel today is not how I'll feel five years from now, so I'll carry on, unattached from my volatile thoughts, while tipping my cap to the three brothers for exemplifying what a weird, beautiful, and sad ride this life can be. Tell my brothers I love them still Over the mountains I'll never find 
telephone bill Ask you call more often But they know I never will Please tell my brothers I love them still Please tell my sister I miss her too My nieces and nephews in their swimming pools When I think about her, skies are blue Please tell my sister I miss her too Please tell my father I love him still Forget the railroad and all those bills Head for the cooler and drink your fill Please tell my father I love him still Thanks for tuning in to the Raised by Whoops fake radio show. This is Glenn. Both Andrew and I are grateful for your time and attention. If you enjoyed that story, we'd appreciate if you could tell your friends, family, or even a few strangers about the show. Additionally, you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. If you have a short story you'd like us to tell, or even some music you'd like to share, you can reach out via the website, raisedbywhoops.com. We're glad to have you with us. Until next time, thanks, and take care.